Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. And welcome back to America's Heroes Group. And once again, with our community outreach, today is Saturday, June 17th, 2023. Sunday, June 18th is Father's Day. That's tomorrow, Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all those veterans out there, particularly those men who've been women, men who've been deployed. And also, we want to make sure that we know that June is LGBTQ Pride Month and PTSD Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clemmer, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our panelists with us today, Lisa Gavin, once again, the president of Next Level Credit and Funding. We're going to talk about credit repair and a new start after filing a complete bankruptcy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good. So are we talking about Chapter 7, Chapter 13? First, tell us the difference between Chapter 7 and Chapter 13, and then also what is the process of getting that road started? What is someone, when is someone ready to file bankruptcy? Well, we'll take the first question first. Uh, chapter 13 is a basically a payment arrangement. It is to make sure that you're paying back your, your creditors, but it is a forced credit uh, repayment of the debt, meaning that a trustee is stepping in and saying, hey, this person can only afford to pay back this amount based on what we see that they make. Whereas a Chapter 7 is a complete uh, a dissolution. It dissolves, gets rid of all of the debt. Um, and that's a little bit tougher than it used to be because now there are income tests and other things to assure that you can't afford to instead pay back those obligations and can actually just you know, be allowed to wipe that debt out. So when when do people find themselves in a situation where it's a good idea to think about either situation, Chapter 7 or Chapter 13? The bottom line is that when you know that you are in financial trouble, that you don't see a clear uh, way to get out of it, that's when you really need to be considering bankruptcy. But it's more than just that. It's really looking at uh, what are the other potential solutions. Are you still in position, for instance, to get a loan or a family member that can loan you some money that allows you to just manage for a while? Or is it truly a situation that you know that the outlook is bleak and you don't see where that uh, income, where that money is going to come from to repay the debt? Then you, you really do have to think about bankruptcy. And in fact, these are exactly why the bankruptcy provisions were made. And bankruptcy laws are federal. So, you know, once you decide to go that path, it's getting that help to say, hey, we recognize based on these income tests and other things that you can't manage this debt. And it allows you to have someone kind of step in. So before we go into the meat of the the conversation, um, tell us what are some of the negative consequences of debt because a lot of me are going to bankruptcy because a lot of times people think people some people are afraid of bankruptcy and some people like i'll just file bankruptcy so what is what is what are some of the negative consequences that can happen to someone who decides to go either chapter 7 or chapter 13 well you know the crazy thing is there's negative consequences in both directions there can be negative consequences for fouling and then negative consequences for not 
filing. So let's start with consequences for filing. You know, you're obviously going to get that ding on your record. So it'll be listed in public record that you filed a bankruptcy. There's going to be a period of time, typically two to three years, that you're not allowed to purchase other property or purchase property. Um, there's going to be a period of time and a, an issue with certain lenders wanting to, to, to do business with you uh, because they see that bankruptcy in your history. So there's no doubt about it, consequences, and it should not be taken lightly. That decision should not be taken lightly. But on the flip side, there's consequences sometimes for not filing. One of the things that I notice in working with clients, and I've been doing this for 20 years, is that some folks just get to the point that they give up and they know that they can't afford to pay the obligations. But what ends up happening is that they don't make a decision. They get analysis paralysis. And because of the, all of the negative connotations for filing bankruptcy, they don't file. Well, guess what that leads to? 30 days late, 60 days late, 90 days late, repose. It, it just, it, the list goes all the way down for how far your credit can deteriorate if you cannot manage that debt. And in fact, sometimes filing bankruptcy is the best thing to get that fresh start and to reboot the whole situation and to start fresh versus letting your credit go all the way downhill before, to be honest with you, you still find that you can't manage those obligations. And in the military, it's, it's, it takes it a step further. If you get behind on your bills, all a creditor has to do is just go find out if you're in the military. And they can, unless you're deployed, they can go basically and start snatching your paycheck. And it's very easy to garnish wages when you're not deployed in the military. Yeah, and, you know, that's a whole, you know, that's why I said it, the decision shouldn't be taken lightly because there's lots of things that have to go into consideration when you're filing bankruptcy. So tell us, so, so then what is what happens after the credit repair is done and after you've done a, a bankruptcy? So how do you repair the credit and, and how do you get that fresh start? Because oftentimes people find, man, two years after, after I've done bankruptcy, they're thinking their life is going to be miserable, that everything's going to be falling apart. Although I have to add, too, though, for government jobs and particular jobs in the military, oftentimes if you've had a bankruptcy, that might prohibit you from getting those higher positions and also getting those better government jobs, particularly if you're going to go into law enforcement, things like that. But mm -hmm. also, um, when you when you they find out two years later, three years after a bankruptcy, they have seven hundred credit scores. So tell me about that. How does that happen when you file a bankruptcy <laughs> and all of a sudden, two or three years later, you got this excellent credit? People throwing credit cards at you and throwing car loans at you. I'm so glad you said that. And and the reason that the people have to understand that it's it's not always a bad thing. A person that sometimes has to file things happen, divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And things get overwhelming and you can't manage the debt. And so what happens is for those who somehow or another have 700 credit scores in a short amount of time, they made the decision early to file. They didn't wait until they got 120 days past due, until debts charged off, until creditors were stalking them. They didn't wait to make that decision. Now, why is that important? Because the sooner you make the decision, the less your credit lapses. So you can literally go from being on time, maybe having a 30-day late to have everything being stopped because you filed a bankruptcy. So then once that debt is wiped out after a few months, now you're sitting there, you don't have a lot of bad payment history that the people who waited have. 
So then when you start rebuilding credit, your credit rebuilds faster and your scores jump faster because your credit report is not littered with all of these late payments and this horrible history. And, you know, to be honest with you, would you rather loan 50000 to someone who doesn't owe anybody anything? Or would you rather loan 50000 to a person that, owe, that owes everybody, their mama and their daddy and their cousins and everyone else? That's your talk. So, you know, that's why you do have to really think about, you know, does this make sense for me? And sometimes it is a better move. So walk me through this process. So a person who is um, who has their credit starting to deteriorate, you said mentioned 30, 60, 90 days late. One thing I want to make sure that people understand is some people panic when they're late on the due date of their bill. But it's not necessarily the due date of the bill that dings your credit. It's that 30 day after the due date that hits your credit. Walk me through Correct. that process. What are the things that, that are the dings on your credit that people fall into by accident or, you know, just don't think about it or they get overwhelmed with, with too much uh, expenses and things like that. How do those things yeah, affect your credit? Yeah. Well, 30 day lates are like the, the, the worst because if you have on time payment history, say you, you it's the 15th, you know, the bill is due on the 15th and now the 16th comes and you didn't pay. Oops. So they're going to charge you a late fee. But at that point, they're not reporting it to the credit bureaus. But if you wait 30 more days and you're saying, oops, 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 30 more times, that's a problem. And then that's when they then report it to the credit bureaus. And so a late payment can drop your scores. I've seen people drop as much as 100 points wow. from a late payment if you have – if you prior – you know, had good payment history, of course. If you have lates all the time, sometimes. I mean, like you yeah. say, you have a 700 score, you've never been late, and all of a sudden you miss one payment because maybe, I mean, now this, uh, so take, I'm walking through a scenario. So, say for example, you have a medical bill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, we go see the doctor, and we talk about this a lot of time on our show because people go see the doctor. Sometimes they're going to see a civilian doctor, they get a bill in the mail, but they don't even realize they even got that bill. Maybe that bill got lost in the mail. Maybe they don't even, they don't even trust if that's a real bill. They think their insurance picks it up or something like that. Exactly. It could be 25 yes. bucks or, or 100 bucks, whatever, something small. And then all of a sudden, they get a letter from a collection agency saying you didn't pay, you know, this hospital, this $75 or whatever it might be. So how does that, is that going to be treated the same way as just a a 30-day late, or how does that work? Absolutely not. Um, The most important thing to know is that obligations with your current creditors always carry more weight. So if I have a credit card, I have a card note, I have a mortgage, those things carry more weight in terms of maintaining those relationships. If something goes wrong, like a medical bill or something, and then you get a collection, collections are secondary companies. And so it, it, they can't report you as being 30 days late or 60 days late. They don't have a regular relationship with you. So it doesn't report the same way on your credit report, nor does it hurt you as much as current late payments. Um, but it does reduce your score of 15, 20 points, 30 points. Um, I can see people reducing um, the, their scores because of those collections. And yes, a lot of times you don't know about them. But I'll say this real quickly, every collection should come with a letter that comes in the mail that tells you you have 30 days, every collection letter says this, to dispute the validity of this debt. And what happens is most people just toss the mail across the kitchen table or they Mm -hmm. toss it and they don't follow up with that creditor or simply say to that creditor, hey, you need to provide proof of this 
Because if you say nothing, you lose by default. Hmm. But the good thing is that those don't hurt your scores as much. But collections do still reduce scores, yes. So that, that, I know that pisses a lot of veterans off because I know a lot of guys and a lot of women, they've been deployed or they've been on base, and then they, they're out training or doing their thing. They've been gone. They've been out of the house for 90 days. They've been out of the house for six months. And they get they have they might have went to the store and bought something and or on credit whatever or they went and did something or whatever and they got a bill in the mail didn't pay the bill and now all of a sudden yeah. they get a collections letter or something like that and that collections letter was, was sent was sitting in the mailbox for six months or, yeah they or, missed or, that time frame right or, or the ninety days so is there any reprieve for them is so what can they do particularly if they've been deployed is there something they could do to try to get that thing taken off or at least to get that thing moved away. I know we shy away from communications <laughs> with companies. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that we feel powerless or that we just feel like it's an annoyance. But you'd be surprised how communication makes a difference. You'd be surprised how asking to speak to a supervisor makes a difference. Yes, it may take multiple phone calls, but frankly, we give up too easily. We don't feel empowered to say, hey, I was deployed. Here's proof. I need this taken care of. I need this taken off. I need this settled. You know, you, you have to be empowered enough to have those communications. And chances are you have proof or documentation of what you're saying. If you're deployed, you have proof that you were deployed. If you were incarcerated, you have proof that you were incarcerated. So there's different things that you can do in your communications um, to, to get creditors to um, make decisions to, for instance, remove negative reporting. And, of course, they always tell you they can't, but they can. Mm. Is it a good idea to settle with creditors? I know a lot of times um, creditors will take – if you say, okay, I have, you know, I got, you know, you, I owe you $5,000, but I'll pay you 3500 if you go away. Is that a good idea sometimes, or is that does that have negative consequences? No, it's absolutely a great idea to negotiate with secondary companies, collection companies. Because collection companies bought that debt for pennies on the dollar anyway. So why should I pay you every penny that you're asking for? So, no, that's when the negotiation skills, you need to bring the claws out then <laughs> and, and negotiate. And they're going to say, well, it's going to be reported as settled for less than the full balance. Whatever. You already have a collection reporting on my credit, and it's already hurting me. Mm. But they want to convince you that it's going to hurt you so much more not true it's going to hurt it's going to make you feel better to keep money in your pocket so you know you just negotiate uh, a settlement amount with them give them as least as possible but the one thing that you want to try to do is tell them upon payment of this money i want this listing removed the best time to negotiate is when you're holding the money in your hand if you give it to them then you have no negotiation power after that Hmm. I ran into a, a, a guy who couldn't get into the military. I wish he could have, but he wanted to join the military. And um, one of the things he was, um, he, get, he got into some severe depression about it. And then eventually he racked up a ton of debt um, mm-hmm. because one of the things he wanted to get through the military was education benefits. Right. So he went and got student loans and upon student loan and didn't end up finishing school from understand. Now he's got a lot of debt. And um, I believe it's been sold to a collection agency. Uh, so they're trying they're calling him trying to collect on this debt. Uh, would that same strategy work for someone like him when it's an education loan? 
Well, the, typically with education loans, they're very different because whoever's working collections for them typically are not external collection companies. They're more so a collection arm of the student loan company. And the reason that that's important is because there's different provisions that are built into student loans, like forbearance, when you have, you know, uh, hardships, financial hardships, or deferments. That means I'm back in school, so I'm not paying while I'm back in school. So there's different things that are built into student debt that gives you more leverage, and it is absolutely to your advantage to communicate with them to try to work something out. And they're the only accounts that go bad or go to collections and then become good accounts again. Hmm. Student loans are very different because you can restore them. Wow. So if you have a 90-day late, you can get that turned into a good relationship? You can. Wow. Yeah, student loans are different in that because they know that those are going to be long-term relationships. Other debts, once they charge off, they're done with you. That's it. So, Mm. you know, either pay them out and the the relationship is closed, but they're not going to reopen and restore that relationship once it reaches that charge-off status, where student loans will give you the opportunity to go into a payment plan. They're typically nine months uh, on-time payments, and then it goes back to a good account. So student loans, definitely do your best to, to work it out with them because they're almost impossible to get rid of in bankruptcy anyway. So what type of services do you, when you do credit repair, what type of services do you do and, and, and what types of things do you charge for? The majority of my services are about helping people assess where they are. We don't do as much credit repair as we used to because the industry has gotten so muddy with just people who don't know what they're doing, um, doing credit repair. And then these monstrosity of companies like Lexington Law and CreditRepair.com, that makes some progress, but they don't teach you how what things you need to do to develop your credit so that's where my company comes in we help people understand how to take it to the next level how to deal with the different things like we're talking about for instance okay i got student loans i got medical bills i got these things yes these things are likely to come off these things are not this is the way you need to maneuver to to develop your score these are the other things that you qualify for these are new accounts for instance that you would qualify for to start rebuilding your credit history should i file bankruptcy given the situation that i see in my assessment yes so that's what we do we really help to coach and mentor and help people personally assess where they are with their credit. So that's what our services typically entail. And then the other side of my business is once that's the case, how do I qualify to get more credit or to get funding uh, for the types of things that I'm trying to do? Hmm. So that could be great for someone, say, maybe who's in real estate, um, who's maybe thinking about trying to buy, say, a commercial property or trying to buy, you know, get, um, another uh, building, but they're in a situation where yes. because banks won't lend to them because they look kind of credit risky. I have, yeah. a, have a, a great friend of mine who is a, he's a real estate developer, and he had the hardest time. I mean, this guy's got at least 10, 15 years experience managing property, but he had to go to hard money lenders to, to – and he's got 700-plus credit score, money in the bank, mm-hmm. but could not get a loan because of some of the rules and restrictions that people have around – banks have around commercial lending. Um, is that something well, that you uh, help people yeah. with? How does that – what is that? Well, what are some of the challenges in that? Oh, well, I mean, real estate is probably the number one motivator in terms of why people come to us. So that's a a regular thing that we deal with. Uh, We keep, uh, I would like to say, very good relationships with bankers. 
because it allows us to bring that type of assessment to individuals. Hey, you're here. You probably need to get X number more points, and then that should help you qualify for certain products. This is the way that you can get there. You know, what needs to be done with my credit to get there and get those scores up. Um, We refer people a lot of times to bankers. Uh, It's really more about understanding who wants you. (laughs) (laughs) So if you think about it from a relationship standpoint, every person you walk past in the street is not someone who wants or appreciates you. That's true. It's about finding who does. And we have to start thinking about the banking industry in the same way. If you don't fit the profile, for instance, for Citibank, don't go to Citibank. They're a little snobby. There, mm-hmm. There's community banks to go to. There's, um, I'm a, a used to be a board member of Southside Community Federal Credit Union, for instance. Mm-hmm. Credit unions are great because they're more relationship based. So it's more about understanding where you fit in than it is that it's just an automatic no. You just don't know who's going to say yes. So how do people connect with uh, Next Level uh, Credit? Well, you can definitely visit us on our website, which is nextlevelcredit.com. Um, uh, if you have questions, because I always do this whenever I do any type of workshops, you can email me at Lisa, L-I-S-A, at nextlevelcredit.com. So feel free, like I said, to visit our website, nextlevelcredit.com, or email me directly if you have a question. I'll be more than glad to answer. And I'm going to check out your website and send you an email because we have to connect and do a workshop. We need to. It's, I think it's a good idea, particularly um, nowadays, because prices of things have gone through the roof. Um, inflation has been taking a hold in a lot of households. Interest rates have been going up a lot over the last uh, year or so. And people are feeling the pinch of being able to try to pay their different bills. And, and they need strategies to try to increase their cash flow. Because one of the things that are cash yeah. flow killers is when you got used to have a $100 credit card payment, now it's 150 because the rate gone up. <laughs> right, you know? right. And it's learning how to play the credit game. Credit is a game, and you have to learn how to play it. Um, and a lot of times we're playing Scrabble, but the game is Monopoly, and we have to learn how to play it. And the better you can play it, the better you can maneuver, and the better you can do financially. You can save money. You can, you know, advance your financial life. Uh, credit is such an important key to that. Hmm. So what is one of the, the most important things you would say to a person who's uh, trying to build credit or maintain credit? The biggest thing, and I think people uh, often miss this point, they fall off the horse and then they don't get back on and keep riding. So the point being that if something goes wrong, you have to look at how can I keep building? How can I keep moving forward? Um, And a lot of times when you have negatives on your credit report, people don't know how to start back rebuilding positive credit. You know, so the first thing is just getting back to restoring positive payment history. The next thing is actually getting some more credit, even if it requires you to do it secured, meaning that you put the money up and then they issue you a credit card, for instance, a secured credit card, or going to your bank and getting a loan based off of your own money in the bank. There's all types of things that you can do to start rebuilding credit, and that's probably one of the most important things that people forget. They just kind of get disenchanted with the whole thing (laughs) and then they stop building credit. But it's like expecting to drive somewhere without gas in the tank. Your credit score is like gas in a tank. If you're trying to get somewhere, you have to fuel it. And I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Lisa Gavin, president of Next Level Credit and Funding. Once again, what's your website? It's nextlevelcredit.com. 
Check out our website. And also, once again, we got to connect to do a workshop because I think it's really important to get that information to the community and maybe even put it on YouTube. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. I would love to. Education is so important. Thanks a lot for your time. And I just wanted to say happy Father's Day to the fathers. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.